Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. <laughs> Valentine's Day, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Glad to have everybody watching on Facebook Live. Seems like I got a little weird sound happening here, DJ Carrot Sticks. So this is what happens when you're coming, when you're watching the recording. Thank you. That's so much better. Um, so much happening. I, I actually am not doing my typical format tonight. I'm not going to do a monologue because there's just too much happening out there in, in the world and in D.C. and the politics. So I'm going to get right to it here. Last week on the show, I was uh, I put it out there. I put the question out there to everybody. Who is the resistance? You know, we got celebrities wearing the resistance band on their arm. And we've got hashtag the resistance going on out there with all these protesters. But I was actually wondering when I keep seeing people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham coming out and hearing that they're leaks coming out of this White House and this administration, wondering how much of the resistance that we face is really from the inside and from the Republican Party and the establishment. And I think that's an even more important question we should be asking today with what happened with General Flynn. My next guest, and that's one reason why we're going to be talking a little bit about Flynn, but the whole show is not going to be about Flynn and his resignation because that's kind of a symptom of a problem that's kind of going on in D.C. today and the undermining of um, Trump. My next guest, my first guest, the reason why I brought him on is we're going to cut through some of this. There's an autopsy happening out there today. They're still trying to pick the bones of General Flynn, doing everything that they can to undermine Trump. And my first guest on the show is somebody who actually happens to know General Flynn and actually worked under him. John Peterson is with me here. Hey, John, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hi, Andrea. Okay, so... Um, it has not stopped. You know, there were many people who thought that once there was a resignation of General Flynn, that maybe it would stop the bleeding. But the sharks are circling the waters. And I got concerned as to I, I'm not agreeing with those on the left. And I think you, you are those in the Republican Party who think that what Donald Trump did was was given to a left leaning media. I don't think he gives a crap as to what the, the lefty uh, Democrat Party and what the lefty media is saying here about General Flynn. I'm more concerned that he might be listening to a resistance movement from within the Republican Party and that he might be capitulating a little bit to them. And I, and I really thought it came true to me when I saw Paul Ryan today come to the microphones. He was the first person to, and multiple times he said, General Flynn was asked to resign, asking somebody to resign versus somebody taking it upon themselves to resign are two different things. And I'm thinking this is the bigger issue we've got is not pushback to Trump from the left, but within the party. What's your perspective on this, especially as somebody who knows General Flynn? Well, uh, first of all, I, I'm one of the people who didn't learn all of what's going on through the news media. Andrea, you know, as I mentioned to you in our communications, I I worked under this man in more than one assignment, uh, government in intelligence contracts. So the bottom line to answer your question is whatever General Flynn did, he did it for the good of the country, and particularly in the wake of a very obvious and deliberate sabotage and subterfuge on the way out the door by Obama and company. And that's, that's very well documented. But, but secondly, this is a man who just didn't come out of nowhere. He had one of the most distinguished careers ever of any military intelligence officer that's ever served. I mean, he had seven different assignments that most of officers in his career branch would dream for, and he literally had an impact on how well we fight this war. And frankly, this country missed out on an opportunity to help wrap this thing up and get this fixed even more quickly, because unlike many in the think tank community and the media, this man actually had solutions. And I got to see that play out when I was in Afghanistan years ago under him, and then in, later in a contract that literally was born from a paper that he wrote about how we need to fix intelligence. 
Well, I, I think he's clearly a national hero. I was really unhappy feeling as though that Trump had given, that the left got a win. For whatever reason that the, that the left got a win here, they have been desperate to get a scalp, as Rush Limbaugh was talking about today. And to think that it happened over a phone call, you know, was really kind of disturbing. But then on the other hand, I got to, to thinking, and I've really been, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I didn't work with him. I don't have that personal experience with him. I've been a huge fan of his. But I also... I was on the fence about whether or not he should resign or be fired because as much as I am a supporter of his, as much as I do think he's a hero, I do think he made some mistakes here. I think the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And I think, you know, he, putting Pence in the position that he was in on Sunday by being not being truthful with Pence as to what the situation was kind of put Trump in a difficult position because Trump's whole brand has been about draining the swamp. He was elected because he is an outsider. And I get that everybody's saying today, including Rush, it was just a phone call. You look at the crime and the corruption going on with Obama and Hillary and all that, and good grief, the man, all he did was do something anybody would do in his position. He picked up the phone and had a phone call. But at the same t time, Trump was elected to be an outsider. And I and I felt like his hands were kind of tied here. Unless there's more to the story than we know at this point. There are starting to be leaks. And I think that the bigger issue Trump faces is within the Republican Party. There's now starting to be leaks that he was susceptible to blackmail. And I'm just not thinking that the man that you know and worked with could be blackmailed. But uh, people are saying there's more to come out about this. What are your thoughts there? Well, uh, for one, is, and you alluded to already, I think there is a lot more to this, especially that what happened behind the scenes between Election Day and Inauguration Day during the transition. You know, Flynn, obviously, he was the first appointee named, first guy to get to work. You know, I have it on a court from one of his family members last night that he was working seven days a week around the clock all through the transition. This is one serious guy, but unfortunately he and President Trump inherited a mess, and one of those messes was the the PNG or uh, deportation of the uh, multiple Russian uh, officials, you know, who were basically spies under diplomatic cover, which is, is it creates a potentially volatile situation with a country that already is having problems, you know, the Russian Federation. What I believe happened from looking at all this is that General Flynn may have talked to them in an attempt to smooth things over so we don't have the political volatility and maybe to, to do damage control for what Obama and his people caused, not to mention the fact, and I know you mentioned already, but it's very obvious that some people under the Obama administration were doing everything they could. You know, and this is these are people on taxpayers' dime, instead of doing their job, were playing partisan politics and engaging in a what appears to be political gotcha and a hit job on General Flynn. So. On top of the hit job that's being done on General Flynn, I was also alerted to the fact that now there's a hit job happening to um, someone that we both know. I'm a huge fan of. He's been on my show a few times. The Andrea K. Show listeners absolutely love him. It's Sebastian Gorka. There's, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, did you hear the latest that they're attacking him, saying that a medal that he's been wearing with pride, a medal that his father got as a symbol of anti-communist efforts, they're trying to characterize that as a pro-Nazi symbol. I, I don't know. We, it's getting so bad to where I'm actually getting text messages from people, John, saying that they're scared that Trump's going to go down. They just think that it is so bad, the pushback and the attempts to malign and undermine are so great that it actually might work. Well, what I can tell you is just based on what I know is back when I was working under that contract that General Flynn uh, helped create, at that exact same time, I came into contact with Dr. Sebastian Corco when he was a professor at the National Defense University. And I'll tell you, my opinion is that he's smarter than any 100 journalists that are looking at this. As you can see, when he interviews on TV with the opposition, he handles himself quite well. Uh, he's unflappable, professional. I think that whole mental thing is a distortion of the truth that the media is, is running with, as they do with a lot of the sophistry and fake news. This is a man of very solid character, uh, very reputable. And throughout the think tank community in D.C., he was very well respected and, and also nonpartisan. I had no idea until two years ago where he stood, because as all federal employees, he was nonpartisan in his duties. But what I know about this man, he is brilliant. He is dedicated. And like Flynn, he has solutions. And he wrote a book about how to solve this war that we inherited.
Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's no merit to anything at all about that pin he wore on the uniform uh, on Inauguration Ball night. None at all. No, of course not. And, and the attacks, I, I almost feel as though anytime you see attacks coming from the left, it tells you, hey, that's somebody that they're worried about because that's somebody who's right on the money in terms of policy. And it is absolutely disgraceful. It is, oh. it, it, it's, 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 I, I shouldn't be shocked anymore with these kinds of attacks that are happening, but I am. I mean, how you, the this is slanderous and is and is libelous, and I hope Dr. Gorka, I'm going to invite him on my show next week. I really hope that he sues this media outlet that is reporting that because it's absolutely unconscionable. I, you know, I failed to introduce you before you came on because I got to wrap it here. Tell everybody a little bit about you and how they can find you. Uh, formerly Army Special Forces, and then went to Homeland Security after that. Then as an intelligence contractor. For a number of years, um, I'm on Facebook under my own name, John Peterson, and uh, Twitter is at JTF Peterson. And, uh, you know, be glad to answer any questions. I, I just posted a link to some of my comments on your Facebook post for the radio show. And i uh, just like to say I'm glad to help out and help speak the truth about somebody who I think is being maligned by the, the left and the establishment anti-Trump folks. It's pretty sad. It is very sad. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to having you on in future future shows talking about the war on terror and my military segments. Thank you so much. Anytime. Keep doing great things. All right. Thanks. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Brian Crabtree from the Brian Crabtree Show. He's also a contributor to townhall.com. We're going to talk about the ongoing General Flynn situation. We're also going to talk about what's happening. Did you all know that there's a Russian boat? You know, what was all this Flynn stuff all about? It was about hysteria on the part of not just the left, but the resistance movement within the Republican Party, the likes of John McCain and others, hysterical that Trump is just in bed with the Russians. Hey, the Russians are offshore in Maryland. We're going to talk to Brian Crabtree about that. And where the heck is the Republican Party with policy and legislation put forth for things like Obamacare and taxes? So stay tuned. More of the Andrea K. Show coming up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I think that my boys were right on the money. I came in today, I said, it's Valentine's Day. We're going to play some love songs today. They said, you know what? How about we play some anti-love songs for our bumpers? I don't know what's going on in their personal lives between Polly and DJ Carrot Sticks, but... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, thank you for that. And thank you to Brian Crabtree from the Brian Crabtree Show and also contributed to townhall.com for coming back on the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Brian. Hey, good to be here. All right, so General Flynn is out. He's out like Flynn. You remember the old expression, in like Flynn? Well, we got an out like Flynn. The autopsy continues, Brian. They're doing everything they can to dig up whatever they can out of this man's bones. They're smelling blood in the water. Think of an analogy, a metaphor, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts? I was on the fence about whether or not he should be asked to resign because while it was just a phone call and good grief compared to the corruption of what happened with the Obama administration and Hillary, it's it's like nothing. However, he did have some missteps. He sent the vice president out on talk shows with bad information. And then on top of it, Trump's brand is all about an outsider coming in to drain in the swamp. It's not about coming in and having more you know crap go on and then justifying it. What are your thoughts? 
Well, you know, in the Obama administration, when you sent someone out on the talk shows to lie, they got a promotion. Like Susan Rice, she ended up as the U.N. ambassador. So at least for the Trump administration, people are being held accountable. Uh, I thought he should be fired or, or what happened, he resigned. And I, I think that's ultimately what should have happened, and here's why. Because I think when you look at the leadership failures we've had in our country for the last several years, it's been lacking of judgment and leadership capability. And what he exhibited in making that phone call in December was a complete lack of judgment. Now, let me think about it. In December, it was hot and heavy. The media, the big rotation in media was how Trump has ties to Russia. What's Trump's ties to Putin? Does Trump know Putin? And here you've got a senior official making calls with a wink and a nod. And then when he gets caught, he lies about it. On top of that, he's General Michael Flynn. Does he not know that calls to a Russian ambassador are being monitored, incoming and outgoing in our country. I mean, is that this would come out? Uh, this does show more leaks in the intelligence community that this got out to the press. But at the end of the day, it also shows bad judgment. So Donald Trump needs to shore up the leaks that leak these kind of things out. And he also needs to make sure that his officials use good judgment going yeah. forward. So I think the right thing happened here. And Trump did it without having to fire him. He basically distanced himself away from Michael Flynn, General Flynn, yesterday afternoon, late in the day. And uh, in the overnight hours, of, of, of course, this news broke that he was resigning. Has it cost him any capital? Well, I don't know that it's cost him any capital. I, I'm more worried about what I see as a display of liberal, um, you know, liberal, uh, just absolute defense of anything Trump wants to do. I mean, I, I think uh, Trump could run into a burning building and save 10 children and somehow the liberals would find something wrong with it or accuse him of starting the fire. I think if you look what happened here, he made a phone call. If mm -hmm. you take that in isolation, the phone call was no big deal. I don't think he even violated any laws that I can find. I and mean, even some of the experts on the liberal channels are saying it's, it's going to be a hard stretch to find anything prosecutable here. So this was really just another example of how in the Trump administration, you don't have to be just good. You have to be perfect because you have a sea of liberals and a sea of media liberals who are looking to destroy you uh, for the sake of stopping you, even though it may harm the country or disrupt progress. My biggest fear here is not political capital. My fear is, can Trump really get anything done? I, I realized yesterday, as I went into my radio show, uh, you know, watch, I, I haven't paid any attention to what he's actually doing because I've had to unpack so many of these controversies, many of which are distorted and made up. Trump needs to go on television and address the nation, I would say weekly, mm -hmm. for the next four weeks, if not weekly, every other week, and set the record straight right. in a very calm fashion, because what's happening is the left is penetrating the narrative at this point. Yeah, he, he for some reason, I mean, he's backed off a little bit from being the, the guy on the campaign trail in the primary who actually drove the narrative. I will say, though, that how many times during the primaries and even during the general election did they did they count Trump down and said he was out and it was done and it was over with? You know, so even though Flynn made a misstep and he's gone now, it's not the end of the Trump administration. This does not just because they're smelling blood in the water does not mean that Trump is going down. Um, I do think he needs to be careful with the replacement. And I don't like the idea of a general Petraeus. If the point of getting rid of Flynn was because he made a misstep and showed bad judgment, you don't replace him with a guy who had even worse bad judgment and gave national security information to a girlfriend, okay? Bad judgment call there. I prefer the other dude, Kellogg, I think his name, who, who worked under Mattis. I think they need to be really careful with their picks going forward. I think that the brand is really important because that does, it's hard for him to even go forward on a weekly basis with, you know, setting the record straight if you got dirty hands. Got to keep it clean because that's a part of the brand draining the swamp. Um, I asked my question to the listeners last week, and I'm going to pose it to you now, who the resistance is. There's a lot going on to undermine Trump. I'm more concerned. I'm less concerned about the left and Elijah Cummings and what all these on the left are trying to do to undermine Trump. I'm more concerned about those within the Republican Party attempting to undermine Trump, from John McCain to Lindsey Graham to Paul Ryan and what they're doing and, and whether or not he's listening to the right people inside the party. I really didn't think that Paul Ryan should be supported as a speaker. How is it justifiable, Brian, that after eight years, we still don't have any legislation? And I know that his cabinet's not in place yet, but there's no legislation ready to go to repeal and replace Obamacare and for, to lower taxes and regulations and to jump jumpstart this economy. 
You know, that's a brilliant question, and I've heard no one asking it. I was asking it this morning on a different radio show in Denver, and it, it occurred to me when I woke up this morning and I was doing my first morning reading, and I said, wait a minute. Not only did I miss what Trump had done in the last week, Trump really hasn't done much other than executive orders. And I don't mean that in a disparaging or bad way. What I mean is, is that there's been so many distractions. There's been court battles already. There's been this massive fight to get these, uh, these cabinet officials appointed and, and, and confirmed. They haven't done anything in Congress or the Senate that's of any meaning that I can find. And that is a real problem. We're, we're nearly a third of the way into the first hundred days, and there's no legislation. There should be something on his desk at this point. Part of that is the liberal disruption. They, they've fallen prey to the plan. And that's why I am concerned mm-hmm. that out of this rubble, we're going to find either that Trump has completely failed or the liberals have completely failed. One or the other. I'm, this is going to be a fight to the death over mm-hmm. the next few months politically. And I'm, I'm really concerned about this. So you're right to bring that up. We need some legislation. Let me ask you, let me pose another question and give you the short answer. I, I, I was reading about all this Michael Flynn, General Flynn stuff a few moments ago. And I, I, I was preparing for my show and the thought hit me. Now, what is it, Brian, that would cause some of these Democrats and some of these Republicans, I think an equal number, to actually want to keep relations from, with Russia from being improved or even good? What is it? They seem to want to manifest mm-hmm. bad relations. I thought and I thought and I thought I said, Aha! People like Lindsey Graham and John McCain and others on the left who are a little bit hawkish, their big donors profit from a continued spiraling downward relationship with Russia because that gives the big military spending complex all the money. And who are the big donors to those kinds of politicians? Well, they're the big military defense contracting companies. So there's a lot of people very deviantly in Mm -hmm. our government who don't want relations to improve with Russia. They want them to stay the same or worsen, because if that happens and they get better and Trump mends fences, if you will, then what ends up happening is it harms the people that empower them, and they will be deemed as failures. So if you think about that, that is tragic that they're putting Mm -hmm. a political donation over the better interest of the country and the security of the world. Well, there's there's the financial contributions aspect of it, and there's also just the personal agenda going on. I mean, I heard a ridiculous suggestion this morning from somebody that I usually admire so much, Colonel Ralph Peters, who said, oh, Trump should, he should swallow his pride and put Lindsey Graham in to replace General Flynn. And I thought, are you absolutely kidding me? Those two... Uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain have done more to undermine Trump than Elijah Cummings has. I don't know why they're, and, and I think it's, and I don't think it has anything to do with financial contributions. I think they're the ones with the swollen egos. I think they're they're more angry over the fact that they lost to Trump than they are over where we are as a country after eight years of Obama. They continue to prove that they, in fact, they push back far harder against Trump than they ever did against Obama. We have a Republican Party that aligns themselves and is more comfortable with a big government um, uh, entitlement state and more and more centralized power going to D.C., they're more aligned with that. They're not even true conservatives. I hate the term rhino because it gets used too much. But there's a personal agenda going on in terms of their own ego that's behind the scenes going on here, as well as the fact that they're more comfortable with actual liberal policies than they are with what Donald Trump's policies and what his agenda is all about. And that's one reason why we're not seeing legislation, because all they were doing for eight years was telling the the voters what they wanted to hear, that they were going to repeal and replace and this and this and this. And then, you know, Oh, first it was, well, you got to give us the House. Then it was, well, we don't have the Senate. Then it was, well, you got to give us the White House. It was all excuses. It was all excuses. And it is time. You know, I I heard that um, at the Super Bowl that Barbara Bush was overheard saying that it was time for John McCain to retire. Hey, Barbara, I am with you. There's a there's a personal agenda going on with these guys. Um, Last question for you. Um, What in terms of Obamacare? Should they repeal and replace it at the same time? Should they let it fall on its own weight and then do something? I think they should repeal and replace it because we should take the high road as conservatives. If, if you want to let this uh, land on the uh, on the Democrats solely so they get all the blame, then you basically let it collapse on its own weight, and then you end up in a situation where they'll find to, they'll try to find some way to spin it. Well, we didn't do anything about it. We're in power. So not only for the right reasons, but for that reason as well. 
we should repeal and replace it, and we should replace it with a plan that shifts off those who are drug addicts who are dependent upon the new medication uh, cover, uh, you know, uh, coverages onto Medicaid, those who are on subsidies of some sort onto Medicaid, and it should be a medic. It should be expansion of Medicaid. Uh, there should be more funding for that. It's going to cost taxpayer dollars. We're going to have to cut somewhere to get that money, but we need to treat people, make sure people are getting the addiction treatment they needed, the mental health treatment they need, and they're not dying in the street. That said, everybody gets coverage. Mm-hmm. We shift about 10 million people off of Obamacare onto Medicaid because that's ultimately what they're on anyway is a, uh, it's a glossy silver wrapper form of, of uh, Medicaid called Obamacare. Uh, then we free up the capital market or the uh, the capitalist market of insurance so that risk is factored back in, and we give incentives to people who uh, meet a certain body weight index, uh, body mass, who do certain preventative measures and proactive treatments every year, getting a physical, those kind of things that are proven to drive down the cost of health insurance by getting to diseases and problems early. You give them uh, deductions, the people that don't take the time to do those things, pay a much higher fee. That way you balance the system out. You eliminate the state lines so that people who uh, are, are moving from state to state don't lose their coverage and that there's more competition in the market. And you take away all of the penalties and the situations that, that, that allow people to wait until they get sick to get on uh, health care. Uh, there's a way to do that without getting too complex and wonky here on your show, but but those are the things that matter. Mm-hmm. No pre-existing condition is exclusion. You don't get drops from your health care plan just because you, you have a health issue. It's, it's, it's not legal, but everything mm-hmm. else is back to letting the insurers run a business. When that happens, there'll be more competition because there'll be less risk on the insurers, and prices will then be driven down through incentivized programs. The people that we're worried about, we have got to make sure they get covered Right. And they don't lose their insurance because that's political damage that keeps our great plan from going forward, and we got to move them into Medicaid. That's the solution. I don't think the Republicans will do a great job of it. Well, you know, they better get on it then if, if they're going to take any of your advice because, you know, I, I had a doctor on my show recently. He was the head of the American Society for Physicians and Surgeons, and she gave a lot of wonky details about uh, how insurance works. And, you know, there's some deadlines that are actually looming that if they don't get the legislation done before I think it's May, it's too late for this year. And that is an absolute disgrace that the Republican Party has both the White House and both houses of Congress, and there is still not legislation on the table to deal with the number one. There were two top issues in 2014, why the Republican Party was given both the House and the Senate. And it was Obamacare, and it was to seal the border. And they're doing that. They're starting to do the right things on sealing the border. But their excuse after 2014 was that they needed the White House. When you know what? They have the White House. There's absolutely no excuse to do nothing at this point. And I don't have time to get into taxes with you right now. But there's also no excuse for why there is not a, a tax package on the table. You don't have to do it all at one time. Just lower the corporate tax rate. How about just doing that right now, Republican Party? How about doing, you know, getting rid of some of the regulations that are d- d- destroying business? There's so much that they could already be doing, and the fact that they're not is a real red flag, and it's a far worse red flag than anything going on with General Flynn. And I think that the resistance within the Republican Party would really rather have us talk about the evil Flynn who had a phone call than talk about really what the Republican Party is not doing. Brian, how can people hear your show? Uh, they can hear the show. Just go to Talk40, Talk40.com, or uh, you can listen live at the Brian Crabtree Show.com, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Great to be with you. All right. Now, my next guest coming up. Stay tuned here because lots of people have had some questions about what is, is, is California falling off into the ocean? Are they doing that intentionally? There's something called Cal Exit. There's a Cal Exit moving go, movement going on, and I've got the um, founder of that movement, Louis Marinelli, is going to be on me with me next to answer questions. So don't go anywhere. We got Louis on the other side of the break. Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. 
Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Hey, I didn't pick that song here on Valentine's Day that love stinks. <laughs> A lot of people are saying that California is kind of stinky right now to be here. You know, as a conservative, I would say that, you know, there's some things that are kind of stinky about California. I still love me some San Diego. I love the beaches. I love being here. So there's lots of, and there's lots of friends of mine that are like, hey, we love California. We also love California being a part of the rest of the country. So why is there talk about California exiting, a Cal exit, not unlike Brexit going on here? And uh, to be honest, I hadn't really been up on it, hadn't really been following all the details of it. So I, I invited Louis Marinelli to come on the show today. He is the founder of Cal Exit, also known as YesCalifornia.org. He's here with me. Hey, Louis, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Okay, so what is YesCalifornia.org or Cal Exit? What is it and why? Yes, California is a campaign that's dedicated to a simple and single goal of getting a ballot measure qualified for 2018 to give the people of California a up or down vote on independence. Uh, those who want California to become their own country can vote yes, and those who, uh, like you referred to earlier, wanted California to remain a part of this country can vote no. Okay. Um, let's get into some specifics, because right now we've here, I guess, I guess a major crisis or crisis doesn't even begin to cut it, was averted up in uh, Oroville in terms of the dam that wasn't 10 years ago. People warned that this dam could break. California did nothing. State government responsibility did nothing about it. And then as soon as it looks as though it's going to be an emergency of epic proportions, people started screaming, and Jerry Brown included, started screaming for federal government support. So then it begs the question of how, how can you, federal government support also mainly means money. So how can you exit yourself from the federal federal government while you still got your hand in their pocket? Sure. Well, uh, of course, nobody can really uh, defend every act of the Sacramento government. We're not doing that at YesCalifornia.org. We're simply saying that California is a donor state, which means that we pay more into the federal system every year than we get back from it. Many states in this country are basically being subsidized by California's tax dollars. If we become an independent country, we'll be able to keep those tax dollars in California, which means we can then reinvest those tax dollars into California's infrastructure, including the dams like that in Oroville, our roads and our highways and our, our bridges, uh, which are also falling apart and deteriorating, and also uh, health care programs and education programs. So we want to keep California's taxes in California and spend it on California and on the Californian people to do two things improve the quality of life of the people of California, and reduce the cost of living in California. Well, it's interesting you should talk about, you know, being a donor state. You know, I, I did a little bit of research last night, and, you know, my, my head started, you know, I started getting a headache. Because, you know, numbers are are an interesting thing because they can be manipulated to tell a particular story. For example, you've got Jerry Brown trying to assert that California owes $26 billion in debt, when really, if you go to uscommonsense.org, because of some shady bookkeeping practices, California actually has a debt of $443 billion. Yeah, and that second number is actually more accurate, to be honest with you. Yeah. But we're not talking about state debt here. We're talking about the federal taxes uh, well, that you let, and I pay. Right, but well, and right. aggregate, we pay more than we receive back in federal funding. That's state debt is a different issue. Well, yes, it. Well, but I didn't. I didn't get to that point yet. I was using this as, as an example of, of how numbers can be massaged. I also then oh, okay, in my I, re, I also then in my research discovered that in, in a variety of different sources that the the good news is is that California is not really um, taking in. Uh, it's almost dollar for dollar in terms of the federal sources that I saw. It's almost dollar for dollar that they take in about $9,000 per person and spend about 9000 of federal money. So California is not really, according to my research, a donor state. So to me, I think it might be a little bit more of an interesting argument to say that maybe California's values or maybe having more control over immigration might be a better argument really than, than the federal taxpayers' dollars. I did think it was interesting in, in terms of your arguments for immigration 
immigration, that uh, 49 states, you know, are really kind of controlling the immigration and that you really feel like California should be in control of its own immigration laws. Aren't they kind of already when they've got basically a sanctuary state? No, that's not the case at all. And I would go back to the previous topic for just a moment there. I would encourage you and your listeners to look at the IRS data, which uh, collects on a, a yearly basis to inform people about how much uh, tax revenue is collected on a state-by-state basis, and then compare that to federal expenditures in the state. And you'll see that California is a donor state when you look at that. I'm not sure exactly what sources you were looking at when you looked at a maybe per-person spending or something like that. But that's not really accurate because that includes things like Social Security, which is paid for by a separate tax, not the federal income tax, but a separate tax, uh, and all those other benefit programs which are paid for by separate taxes. Uh, if you talk about just income tax and our federal funding that we receive from income taxes, we are a donor state. And that's another issue of immigration. Uh, yeah, we want California to be able to have its own immigration policies, and we have a diverse state here in California. We have a unique uh, economic needs for special immigration policies that don't really, uh, or aren't so important in the other, other parts of this country, and so we should certainly be able to uh, determine our own immigration plan. Well, you know, I think that every state then could be saying that, you know, well, we we should be able to determine our immigration laws because when you've got people coming across the southern borders that then get bussed out to the rest of the country from the like in the Obama administration did, um, you know, that then, you know, maybe maybe people in Iowa, maybe people in South Carolina, North Carolina who aren't border states that only have the illegal immigrants that they have because of states like California with their open borders and shipping them around everywhere. Maybe maybe the other states should say that. I mean, if California already well, is the same. But if what California, do you mean by California with its open borders, because the federal government is in charge of the borders, not California. California happens to be uh, the location where a lot of these undocumented immigrants live, but the borders are protected and, and are secured by the federal government. So if you're not liking the fact that there's undocumented immigrants in California, then your beef is with the federal government, not the state of California. Well, no, what I was saying is is that they get shipped out th- throughout the, the rest of, uh, and there are some well, things who's that... Who's doing they- that, though? Well, who's, who's doing that, though? That's not the state of California. That's uh, maybe the INS, the, the USCIS, one of the federal agencies. Oh, well, I'm that. not, I, I'm not disagree. Government. I'm not disagreeing with you there. The, the Obama administration didn't do, although he's done actually more. You look at the hysteria today over over the, the roundups that are going on with illegals and the criminals. It's actually less than what Obama did. I'm not disagreeing with you there. What I'm what I'm talking about is states saying, hey, I don't like the, the rest of the country. You know, um, yeah. maybe I maybe well, I want to pull out because I don't really like the other states and what's... Uh, it's not about the fact that we don't like the other states. It's about the fact that we want to take care of our own people here in California. About a couple million, four million people in California happen to be undocumented. They are members of our families, members of our community, and they should be protected. I- well, actually, well, you know, um, what I was referring to in terms of California is this, that it's, what else do you want? It already is a sanctuary state. We've, and, and you want to talk about taking care of families. You got to talk about Kate Steinle, who, the, how, how many times has that dude been deported? And he was, he, he was protected, not the citizens of America that were protected here. I mean, what else does California want? It's a sanctuary state now. Does California want to become Mexifornia? I mean, is that, I mean, let's be honest about what you want from an immigration standpoint. No, we don't want to have open borders, but we want to have a system where the people who are residents of California and live in California and contribute to our society and are members of our families and our friends and our coworkers don't have to worry about the federal government coming here from Washington, D.C. to deport them to a country that they haven't been to for decades, or maybe they've never even been to. Well, you know, um, I I wish I had more time to talk about the immigration situation because when I moved to California, you know, um, years ago, uh, California was not. If California has gone off the rails economically, if it's if it's gone from being a state to where it had some of the best roads and some of the best infrastructure infrastructure and some of the best schools, maybe it's gone off the rails because of liberal policies here that have taken it off the rails, and maybe they need to re-embrace American values and what this country was all about. Respectfully disagree on that because if you look at the point in, in history. Which was about the 1980s when all of that kind of changed. Uh, the Golden State kind of disappeared, so to speak. That's the same time period, uh, coincidentally speaking, when California started to become a donor state and more of its taxes were being redistributed to subsidize other states as opposed to being uh, reinvested here in California. So, about the mid 1980s is when California became a donor state. And it's also about the same time period when things started to fall apart here economically and, uh, and uh, infrastructure and education programs and all that other stuff. So, there's a, there's a direct correlation there between how much federal funding you receive as a state uh, from our own taxes that we paid to Washington uh, then and now, and, and the, certainly the infrastructure situation is worse now than it was then. So if we can keep our taxes in California, we can rebuild the roads, rebuild the dams, 
rebuild the bridges so we can uh, build well, more roads. I, I hear what you're you know, saying. I hear what you're saying. I think it's overly simplified because I think it's not getting into something that we don't have time to get into, which is the crazy uh, p- uh, state policies that have that have come into play. I mean, I know business owners and manufacturers that had no choice because of California state laws and regulations that have literally run their businesses down to Tecate because they literally cannot afford. I know a guy who sold his business recently, but the phones in Target, that it, the red phones in Target and Walmart, he told me that there were so many state regulations from California in play that he literally would come. This is, this is a product sold nationally and internationally. He started it here in San Diego in his home. He couldn't keep going. He said he would have to come to his business every day and decide which regulations was he going to abide by because there were so sure. many and it was just no way to do business. So, but, so, likewise, so you're overly that, simplifying that. There's owners across the country who would love to come to California if it was an independent country because they would be escaping the burdensome trade and uh, regulation system that is the United States of America. Well, I don't know how that makes sense when, when it's the businesses leaving California and going to states like Texas and, and you even have because the Hollywood are, industry leaving. Both federal regulations and state regulations. And so this would be a way for them What's to, most- to get rid of one whole level level of government regulation. Well, you, you, you can't, but you can't look at California and not look at how the Liberal Party has destroyed this state with their regulations and their taxation, as well as expanding the entitlement state. You, you just can't do it. Last question for you, then I got to run because I'm running out of time. How sure. really big is your movement? How many people do you have involved? How many people you have behind it? We have 8,000 registered volunteers who are out collecting signatures for our ballot measure on a daily basis. We have 160,000 supporters on our website. And we have over 1,000 individual donors who contribute to our campaign on a monthly basis. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Lewis. Thank you so much for the invitation. All right. We're going to take a really quick break. And then we got we got to shift gears because I got to have some laughs. I got to have some laughs today. So when we come back, we're going to talk to none other than Della B. It's been too long since she's been on the show. So don't go anywhere, babies. Della B coming up. It's five o'clock in the morning. And I don't give it a second thought. It's a thin line between love and be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Unfortunately, we did get to play our classic Della B music. For legal reasons, unfortunately. But that's okay, because y'all know that Della's back with me. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. Thank you for coming back on, because I know you've been busy. You've been deep. You've been deep undercover, baby. I've got the blinds closed. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared. But, you know, I kind of like that Cal Exit thing, because I've always wanted to live in a foreign country. (laughs) Bless his heart. I didn't warn him when he came on that I was going to ask him any challenging questions. And we got all basically the same standard, standard answers. But, you know what, there are people literally out here in California, friends of mine, that have been scared that that was actually going to happen. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have him on. I'm going to give him an opportunity, you know, to, to pitch his case. And I'm not sure he swayed anybody with his arguments. But you know what, Lewis, thank you for thank you for coming in. Now, um, speaking of a foreign country, that's kind of how you can describe L.A., La La Land and Hollywood. What's happening in that foreign land? Well, they're, they're, they're crazy. They, that's, that's all the way. I, 
you know, I don't. I, I'm, I've been boycotting awards shows, and but I had to. You know, I, the Grammys. It was like, what's going to happen? And and I, I I didn't realize I was going to be in a religious type ceremony when I, you know, <laughs> I, I had to light some candles for Babe Beyonce. You know, oh, yeah. she was channeling this fertility goddess, Ocean Yoruba. I don't know what the <laughs> chairs were about. I, I couldn't figure out the whole chairs. Or that's yeah. what she was. Tra- I thought she was challenging Simba from The Lion King. Oh no no! I no, didn't no. know what she was channeling well, there. Well, no, there's some uh, African deity and, and Ocean Yoruba, and it, she's about water and peace and fertility and all those crazy pregnancy pictures. Uh, I, I think it's a conspiracy. I've got a conspiracy theory. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you know, her first pregnancy, her alleged first pregnancy with Blue Ivy, there was all this video. <laughs> uh-huh. Is it her, her? Is she really pregnant? Is she not pregnant? So right. now we've got this belly being waltzed out here, you know. <laughs> It's the center of attention. Right. I think it's a food belly. <laughs> I think I think she she was still bloated from the previous Taco Tuesday. Yeah, I'm, I, I think it's like, you know, she flew in. You know how your stomach swells on the plane. It's a food baby. Um, you know, I'm not going to believe she's really pregnant until I see a placenta fly across the room. Oh, uh, well, you were... <laughs> No, you know what? That might actually be more entertaining than the last time I saw her perform. By the way, right, right. I think on the the next year, you know, she reenacts her. You know, the whole they had that little talky thing up front where he's like, "Do you remember being born? Do you remember the hips breaking?" Like, no. No, I don't. And I'm kind of confused, though, about this whole fertility thing and how she was celebrating motherhood. Because doesn't she realize that that's a, that she's just that it's her body, that there's not actually a, a baby and a human inside of her? Maybe she's confused. She is the role model for Obama and Michelle's daughters. And let me tell you, if Cecile Richards and Hillary Clinton could have their way, they would help her hold the coat hanger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would. And then they would help her they, then they would help her come up with a one sheet of prices for the parts. Exactly. You know, and I, I But they'd have, have to get Jay Z on, on that because that's kind of a gangster thing to do. You know yeah. what? Sell off the parts from the low rider. Selling yeah, chop shop. The chop shop. That, it, that could be their next song. Clinics. We'll just call it the chop shop. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know? So, uh, and and now I, I have to talk about what was formerly my favorite actress, Meryl Streep. Oh, mm-hmm. She's been invoking the calling out brown shirts. Oh, gosh. Oh, you know, she lives in Connecticut. Excuse me, but I'm not really sure that's there are many refugees up there in Connecticut where mm-hmm. she's from. You know, I bet she's got some room there for some, some tents and things. I bet but that anyway, compound is surrounded by a wall bigger than the one around the White House to keep that riffraff out. I think so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she was once in a, movie, a TV series called uh, Holocaust, and she was in Sophie's Choice. So she's an expert on Nazis. Oh, is know? she? Okay. She is. She is. Uh, but, you know, I mean. But did she, give this, did she give this expertise in an accent? You know, I, I think she was playing herself this time. Um, oh, so she was speaking libtard. Okay, I, she was I, in a libtard accent. She, okay. wa- she was, and you know, she was singing in a movie I watched recently called Ricky and the Flash, and she, uh, no, <laughs> don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. Yeah, well, you know what? I say keep to, I, somebody said the other day on Facebook, she just needs to go away. I say, oh, no, no, no. We need her to keep talking, okay? Because eventually there won't be any EP, executive producer out of L.A. that will hire this hag. Because mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time she made a, a, made a movie that actually made any money, okay? And let me tell you people out there, it is still the business we call show, okay? You get to where you can't open a movie and you can't sell any tickets. They don't, you might as well go, go and hang out with the brown shirts because they ain't want anything to do with you in L.A. And you know what? That little Joy Villa that showed up the other night at the Grammys in her Trump regalia, her beautiful dress. She is number one right now. Because let me tell you something. I was in D.C. when that that, uh, women's thing went on there. And those women don't shop in Nordstrom's. And they don't buy on Amazon. And if they could get their legs into an Ivanka Trump dress, they would. But they don't even even have any place to wear one. (laughs) Especially to a job. Okay, go ahead. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's us that are spending yeah. the dollars. And that's what money talks, baby. Money mm-hmm. talks.
Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I wish that uh, Meryl Streep would actually, if she's going to receive some humanitarian award, I wish she would talk the truth about who's really the cause of the humanitarian issues around the world, especially against women and gays. And, yes, you know, exactly. where is her where is her fire and brimstone speech against female genital mutilation of little girls exactly. having their private parts cut off with rusty knives and no anesthesia or being mm-hmm. sold off as brides at age nine? Or how mm-hmm. about the gay people that, that Hollywood supposedly loves so much that are getting strung up off of telephone poles? Okay, mm-hmm. Meryl Streep needs to have to have a conversation with Milo, okay? Because mm-hmm. that is somebody with an accent who can speak it, okay? Mm-hmm. And it ain't Meryl. Preach, sister. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much, Della. All right. Now it's time for my awards of the week. Speaking of celebrity and award shows, we got the awards for last week's Fool and this week's Tool Award. I'm going to go right to my Hero of the Week award because Della already talked about her. Um, Actually, it's a dual hero award because Joy Via did not show up looking like, I mean, talk about taking the question, who are you wearing to a whole new level? Man, she came wearing Trump and she wore it better than anybody could. Talk about somebody maximizing some curves. It ain't Beyonce or J-Lo that baby got back. It is Joy V. Did you happen to see her, DJ Karras? Yeah, that was amazing. I, oh, my God. The designer gosh. said that he, I don't know if he was joking or not, but he said he that was from a Trump banner. He made that. I'm not really sure where he got it, but Andre Soriano, San Diego guy, legal Filipino immigrant who happens to be gay, by the way. I don't know if you know this, DJ Karatsik, so it's a dual hero of the week award because he was inspired to do this after Madonna at the march. Because when Madonna, who knew that Madonna was inspiring anything creatively anymore? Certainly not through music. She did inspire this dress because he said when he heard her talking about blowing up the White House, it was so disturbing to him. And he said, Joy Via is about love. Love, and we need to have unity. Thank you so much, Andre Soriano. His sales are going through the roof. Her sales of her records are going through the roof. Thank you for your courage. She's the one who deserves a humanitarian award, and so does Andre Soriano. And you know what? Um, I just... Heroes of the Week. Usually I struggle to find a Hero of the Week. For last week's tool, this week's tool award, Della also hit on this one. Um, I, I'm actually, though, going to give Meryl Streep my runner-up because she's won before. And so it's like I'm tired of giving her awards. So she's runner-up to last week's Fool, this week's tool award. My winner goes to um, some co-founder of BLM up in Toronto, a Muslim woman whose name I can't pronounce, so we're just going to call her General Nutbar up there, who actually, I don't know if you know this, DJ Carrot Sticks, but she's a scientist, and she's done, I guess, a study on melanin. I don't know where she's getting her science, but she says her, her genius involves such quotes as, melanin directly communicates with cosmic energy. The long story short is she literally, this is the co-founder of a movement that was invited to the White House by Obama, and has been celebrated by the left. And this woman is up there, co-founder of the BLM, saying that white people are genetically defective. There is no outcry, no outrage over this. Can you imagine? Right now, General Flynn probably needs to go into the witness protection program because of a dopey phone call he had with Russia. But this woman, this is, this is okay. Gorka, because he's wearing a medal that his father earned for being anti-communist, is being called the Nazi. We've got Meryl Streep calling Trump and Trump supporters brown shirts? No, here we have a real last week's fool. This, where is the outrage? I'm calling upon the left and the Democrat Party to denounce this woman and to denounce the BLM movement because they haven't denounced her. But I'm not going to denounce any of y'all out there. I love you all. Love all my guests for being on the show today. Hope you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Love you all. Love you, DJ Carrot Sticks. Thank you, Brian Crabtree. What song is this? Be My Love. Oh. Thank you, John Peterson, for being here. Thank you, Louis Marinelli, and thank you, Della B. Thank you all. Love you. Have a very happy Valentine's Day. My arms, the way you filled my dreams, the dreams that you.